You're listening to the Substandard Model. Hello and welcome back to the Substandard Model. Today, we will answer the age-old question of why vaccines cause autism before Sam exposes his small brain in his staffed attempt to explain the monster group, a part of unsolved maths. Sam, there's a deep question that I have. Deep, deep question. Why do vaccines cause autism? Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Why would the government do that? To I was supposed to research this. Fuck. Okay. Um, no, you're, uh, yeah. We're, we're topical now. Guys, vaccines, we're going to finally answer the big question. Why does vaccines? Would, why would you make a vaccine cause autism? Why would you do that? So, um, if if everyone if everyone's probably heard of the vaccine autism scandal that rocked Britain in the mid nineties slash noughties, I can't actually remember when it happened. Somewhere, sometime around then. But basically, yeah, since the nineties. Um, oh, I need to get the Wikipedia page up because I'm scared that I'm going to misinform people. The MMR va- Andrew Wakefield. That's the guy. That's the fucking guy. I knew his name was Andrew. I, can, I, I wanted to say Andrew Wiles, but Andrew Wiles is a great guy who discovered the solution to Thermite's Lost Theorem, so it's not him. Uh-huh. 1998 is the one where he published the study in The Lancet. Right. So, ba- who is this guy, and what did he do? I'm going to introduce it. So, essentially, from what I gather, uh-huh. Sam's going to talk about this guy who performed a study that he thought proved that vaccines cause autism. And then some people read that study, and they were like, he's got a point. And then other people read this study with an education, and they went, he's not got a point. Do not listen to this guy. And 30 years later, we're still, th- we're still trying to convince people that this guy didn't have a point. Uh, it's, so is that it's, what you're saying? It's honestly a lot worse than that. It's worse. It gets, That's great. It's, That's so, great it's so much worse than bad science. Really? Like that, it, that is the tip of the iceberg. So he published this paper in 1998 uh, on a study of 12 children. He published a study of 12, 12 children with autism. And basically, he proposed this new syndrome. And he made up an entirely new condition called autistic enterocolitis. Now, that's just, that sounds odd, because it is. Enterocolitis is a condition of the gut, and autism wow. is not. And there is a thing called the gut-brain axis, and there is a lot of like brain conditions linked to the gut or whatever. But he essentially had absolutely zero evidence and absolutely no reason whatsoever to make up this new disease. So he didn't start with vaccines? Um, no, no, no. He, he ba- basically, there was like one like mini paragraph at the end of his study that was like, maybe it's because of the vaccine. <laughs> and then Do you he... think he was anti-vax? Or... Okay, the reason that he did it is essentially this massive conspiracy where I think it's something along the lines of these massive pharmaceutical companies paid him a massive amount of money to initiate and instigate this study, as long as the aim of the study was to find evidence that there was some connection between the MMR. And it wasn't all vaccines. It was never all vaccines. It was always MMR. The MMR, measles, mumps, rubella vaccine. MMR is given to people as one vaccine, basically. It's given, like, as one, as one big load. You're given it all at once. So what he basically said was, the MMR vaccine, the one where you give them all to everyone at once, that... It has maybe a link to this new condition I made up by studying 12 children called autism, but also having gut problems. That's the name of the disease I made up. 
and that's caused by having all of the vaccines together. But probably if you didn't have them together and you had the same vaccines, but three times, then that's actually good. And that's not going to give you autism or rather right. autism and also gut problems. Right. Rather to trademark. That was his disease. And then the reason that he did that is so that these big companies could sell, could, could, no, could sell three vaccines instead of one basically uh, so the, com the companies were like the companies were like it's, it would be a really great idea if some if people just suddenly thought that it was dangerous to have mmr and they decided to pay out of their own pockets to get them separately for no reason and then we'd have more money let's pay this old so doctor with like corrupt let's pay this doctor who has actually quite a lot of experience and give him money to like abuse his research staff and literally just make up data on the spot. Like, like he, he got these children with autism and had the gut problems. And then the parents of the children were like, my child did not have autism or gut problems. He was like, yeah, they had both and they were caused by each other. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and also, all 12 of these children were like part of this group. This really So there was this really, really fringe group. This very, very fringe group which thought that vaccines caused autism. And it, there was, like, about 30 members of this group. And it was entirely explained by the fact that, like, they get the vaccine at, like, 7 or 8 or whatever, and autism also shows, shows signs around that age as well. Right. So, I mean, the, the fact that they have this such tiny fringe group that of parents who've tried to find some strange way to blame the NHS for giving their child autism, and that it's just a complete coincidence and they're all these weird people... And then the company was like, right, this already exists. We can blow this up by getting it to be published in one of the most reputable journals in the country by an actual doctor with a shite study with no real data. So he took the children from this group that already believed that autism caused the children's, that vaccines caused the children's autism. He took these children and then he made this massive, uh, massive, massive claim, inventing a new disease from a tiny sample set of mostly invented, fabricated data. And then he went around on all these big news stations or radio stations or whatever and said, I, I mean, I don't know, you know, it's still, it's still, uh, it's still just, just a theory, but I, I wouldn't risk it if I were you. You know, I would actually buy them separately. And then I would also come to my house and give me a lot of money as well. And I would also, I mean, who knows, maybe that will give your child autism. And yeah. I would also come and suck my dick. Who knows? Maybe if you do that, I'm your actually, child won't have autism. He basically just completely fucking lied. On a new study which shows that if you buy me a Lamborghini, you're <laughs> getting autism. Yeah, he, yeah. You know, he's rich. He's fucking rich. I, right uh, now, he is still rich. He's not a doctor anymore, but he's going around on fucking right-wing cruise ships, being like, "Oh, he lost his medical I was, he lo Yeah, he was yeah. like formally told he was a dickhead by like the head of all Met the companies. Doctors. The head of everyone smart. Like, <laughs> you're a dickhead. The head of smart people said he's you're a like, corrupt okay. asshole and no one should listen. And yeah. he tried, he himself tried to start a new company to sell the non autism vaccine. Yeah. And then everybody around the world was like, can you maybe do a study on not 12 children and yeah, then, and then surely... we'll give you money and then we'll actually like let you do it? And he was like, oh, I'm getting around to it. And they never did. Surely, surely as a doctor, after you've got the money and it dies down maybe a year and a half later, after you've been a dickhead for a year and a half, let's say, right? Mm -hmm. You've got the money and then what you should do is keep the money and then like discount all your claims. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think that's... Like, it's I'd... still a dickhead move, but surely 30 years later he can go, uh, yeah, that was bad of me. I shouldn't have done that. 
basically there was this absolute legend called like John Deere, I think, who was an investigative reporter, and he blew this entire case wide open, quite literally. And he he wow. took them all to court, and there was this one part um, he recalls where he he'd formally requ- he'd basically called their bluff, and he'd formally requested the transcript of the contact he had with like one of these pharmaceutical companies or something, and getting this transcript meant that he could essentially see the fact that the the company was like, here is money, make up a study. Like, that was lit, like black and white. And there was this yeah, moment how you, where... How do, you, how do you go against that? <laughs> and there was a moment where John John Deere, who was suing them, was like going to the courthouse and was trying to get there as soon as possible. And at the same time, Andrew's team was in a cab coming to the courthouse as soon as possible so they could drop the lawsuit, like immediately, because they knew that if they continued the lawsuit, John could request these papers like, that's just part of the lawsuit. Like, he's allowed full transparency. So they'd fucked uh, up. So they were like, shit, we should not have sued this guy for slander or whatever. We should not have done that because now we can see the extra so papers. they're both, like, running up the steps of the court. <laughs> yeah. And, Andrew was like, fuck, please, we need to just drop the lawsuit as soon as possible so we can't see these. Um, that it's was a little the, bit sus, but okay. It was we'll drop the lawsuit. so extraordinarily sus. And also the worst part was that the children in the study were just were just abused. They were basically abused. They were they were they weren't given the the parents weren't told the risks of the procedures. Children were held down and restrained. It was horrible. It was just it was just oh fucking terrible. Everything that he could have done wrong, he did wrong. It was just an absolute twat. And what's his name? Andrew Wakefield. He looks yeah, like a twat as well. Guy. And there was like a fucking, there was like a, there was like something that he did where he went to like a children's party and like asked them all for their blood so that he didn't have to go through a, a safety trials board. He could just get blood from random was children. Was a child he knew or did he just go to a random children's party? I think it was like, like his, his son's friend's party or something. He, he, I think he had a vague affiliation for them and was just like at this children's party and at the end was like, I don't want to have to go through a medical ethics board because that takes too long. And also they would look at my study closely, so that would be bad. I'm just going to ask random children <laughs> yeah, for their I, I blood. I don't want medical ethics to look through the fact that I'm fake. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want medical ethics to, like, get wise. But he... he... And the parents of the children are like, that's kind of sus, but sure, you can take my child's blood. I don't think the parents were particularly involved in it, to be honest. I mean... Really? He did it without the parents? I, I'm actually not sure. That, 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 that was... He only confided with the children and was like, hey, child, come here. That kind of stuck in my head. syringe in your arm. Like, Other Jesus concerns, Christ. where is it? I'm trying to find the bit where it says that he stole blood from children. Which he did. I'll, I'll, take, I'll take your word for it. He did do it. Like... But I, I want to... Because, I, I, like, if, if he, like... If I'm, like... If he, like, didn't do it as bad as I've said, which he definitely did. But if he didn't, then people could get angry at me. But I don't think that's fair, because he is a cunt. Yeah, dude, fuck. If you're angry at us for this guy who... But to be fair, like, that literally was not the worst thing he did at there all. Children, like... there, there will be children who have died because their parents no, think they're going to get autism. You look at the like... measles deaths graph, and then the second he published the paper and the second the newscast got um got hold of it, you see a spike of dead children where that yeah. became... Po- how, like, you literally you see okay? it in the graph. How are you? How are you okay with... This guy, man, like you have to be, like, sort of on the level of a serial killer to be okay with like killing. And now he's still living in Austin, going around giving talks, writing books about 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 vaccines. no about how he was like defrauded by the corrupt fucking NHS or whatever. Like uh-huh. you know something. It's just so stupid. Jeez, 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 jeez. Like uh, just. just 
got measles not only don't so yeah is the, the the mmr doesn't not only doesn't give you autism but like it so doesn't give you autism that it's funny uh-huh. like it, it, the entire reason that exists is because of one guy being paid to say it and he, even he a doctor couldn't make it believable although uh-huh. people are stupid so yeah it was kind of believable and honestly it was a big part of it was the fact that it was the fault of the news companies who just ate the story up like it was delicious, lovely money food. And they were like, oh, let's, let's make sure I tell everyone this. And it was them that did the fear-mongering. I mean, he was the corrupt one, but it, people, children wouldn't, wouldn't have died if no one cared about uh-huh. the story. Like, if, if it wasn't on BBC News treated as an actual opinion you could have, then it, it wouldn't have been... It wouldn't have killed as many people as it did. Yeah. But there you go. That was jolly, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Turns out vaccines don't cause autism. Who knew? It's a really weird conspiracy. No, it's a fucked conspiracy between some fucked people to do a fucked thing. Oh, and there was this guy called Hugh Fund- Fudenberg or whatever. It was just, it was just He like helped Andrew on everything. He was like the collaborator on all his papers. And he thinks yeah. that like vaccines should be made out of his own semen. Like, that's just his opinion. He's like, oh, they should make vaccines out of my semen. How do you start people. in academia? Oh, no, it's his, it's his so bone marrow. Far. It's not his semen, it's his bone marrow. That's the one. He says he can cure <laughs> autism with his bone marrow being injected into people's brains. It's like, yeah, okay. Into their brains. Well well done with the, uh, the, old, the old paper that you published there. <laughs> <laughs> Inject my bones into your brain. Why well, do I think it was semen? That's slightly weird, but okay. The brain. I mean, honestly, I'm assuming it's into their brains. I, I don't really know. That's the level of science they're working on. <laughs> if level. it needs to cure something in the brain, it must go into the brain. Yes, there's sort of Donald Trump levels of, you know, uh-huh. let's put bleach in our blood so we be clean. That was his idea. That's smart. He did actually say that. You clean yourself of yourself is essentially what you do. No, literally during this COVID, he was like, uh, but he. Did, it was funny because he he, he wasn't even that sure. He was like. Maybe they should try uh, injecting uh, bleach into the bloodstream. Has anyone tried that? And people at the side of the stage were like, no, stop. And I was like, oh, okay. Maybe not. Dude, stop. 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 Get off the stage. It's just funny. (laughs) Yeah, he's gone. How many people do you think injected bleach after that? Um... I actually don't know. Probably not There's that There's got many. to be a few. There's got to be a few. Do you reckon there was a couple people? 350 million people. Oh, because Trump know. said it. I've got to go and inject some bleach. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Not an insignificant yeah. number of people. Jeez. Jesus. It does clean you. He's right. No, he's wrong. It doesn't. What do you mean? What do you mean he's right? It does clean you. Well, how? What do you mean? How? What do you mean? What, you think it actually cleans your blood? No. Well, it, it takes stuff out of your blood. That you need. Oh yeah, like, like blood cells. Yeah, like like yourself. <laughs> like yourself. Like, like like humans aren't. Like, like if okay. you leave a human in a room, the room becomes stanky. Oh, I see. So yeah. it cleans you of yourself. Yeah, that's my point. That is, I guess, if you consider that clean, mm. then you can say that it it does clean you. I guess the perfect cleanness is a perfectly white, shiny room. You know. I guess, but is is nothing. <laughs> ultimately perfectly house. clean like if there's nothing there yeah 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 you yeah. put your house in a box and you're like we're gonna perfectly clean your house in this box and then they just three two one begin the cleaning <laughs> house is gone you're gone your entire family's gone and it's so clean yeah and then they do that little sparkle effect on the inside of the box <laughs> yeah the natural extension of cleaning is just the void 
what's the name of that that Silip Bang? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Silip Bang is just strong acid that just burns yeah, through stuff. A, That's what they it should is. do a deep fake of Silip Bang um, advert with Donald Trump's face <laughs> on the guy who's presenting Silip Bang. And there's just like people, right? <laughs> he squirts the bleach. Silip Bang, and the person is gone. Right, so uh, th- th- this might be somewhat of a format uh, change because we-, we don't tend to do facts about maths, do we? We oh, tend to oh. stay away from maths. Things I would li- like if this goes well, I would like to talk about other things in maths. Like, yeah, sure. no, I mean, there's, lo- there's a lot in maths, and this is I- I'm going to consider this a sort of trial because if I if I find myself saying things that make zero sense to me yeah. or anyone, then it's probably not not much worth. But but I I reckon I I, I understood it in a short amount of time, and I'm not very good at maths, so I think I, I, I can make this work. Okay. Um, basically, if you talk to a lot of people who really are into maths, or people who are really mathematicians, you know, if you talk to them about what, what they're studying, or what's up and coming, or, or what's their favourite part of maths, a lot of them will say it's group theory. And group theory doesn't sound interesting, because group is a really boring word, and it feels like it must already mean something in maths. But actually, group theory, it's, it's so, so fundamental in all of maths, and it describes so much of maths, it's so basic, but we never learn about it. You, never, you don't cover group theory until after most of uni has already taken its oh. course, which is really odd, considering... And once you start learning about group theory, it's like you're you know, learning about the basics of maths after doing maths for 20 years. It's weird that we don't teach group theory. And I think it's because it doesn't get interesting until you get really far into it. Right. So bear that in mind when I, I start describing what a group is. Group theory is based on symmetry. Okay? So anyone who starts describing group theory will use an example of like a triangle or a snowflake. So a group is a group of the ways that, let's say, a snowflake can be symmetrical. So if you, let's say, you rotate a snowflake 90 degrees, so what? It's still, it's the same. It's, you've, you've, it's, it's symmetrical through a 90 degree rotation. If you reflect it, it's also still symmetrical. Great. So you can do a rotation. You could do a reflection. What else could you do? You could flip it upside down. That also makes it symmetrical. You could do a 180 degree rotation. It's still symmetrical. And you get a whole group of these actions that you could do to a snowflake, for example, that are symmetrical. Okay. So that's, the, that's, that's one group of symmetries. Now, if you had a triangle, let's say, uh, or a, maybe even a cube or maybe a dinosaur, they would have a whole different group of symmetries. A dinosaur, for example, would probably only be symmetrical in a very, very small number of ways, because it's a weird thing. A triangle would have a bit more symmetries, you could do a bit more things, but not many things, and so on. You get all these different groups of things that are made up of actions you can take. And it's important to remember that doing nothing also counts as an action in this world. Right. Now, you kind of that, that's the basic understanding of a group, but you kind of have to disconnect from that a little bit if you want to really appreciate it. So you've got one object... Not an object, a thing. A thing that can be symmetrical through different actions. A yeah. thing that can be symmetrical through different actions. And the definition of symmetrical here is that a certain criteria is filled on both sides of the action. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. So then mathematicians started asking the questions, well, if there is a certain number of groups, right, and this, the, all these things will share one group, these things will share another group, how many groups actually are there? But the thing with group theory is you kind of have to detach it from shapes it's i know you're gonna hate me saying this but it, it really does make it a lot easier if you if you don't think of it as symmetries of shapes but symmetries within maths you know because that that will make it a lot less complicated uh-huh. 
But um, yeah, so you have these infinite groups, which we're not talking about, but then you have these groups which are quite self-contained, and we wanted to know how many of those there are. And, well, we kind of did that. It's been a quest for more than a hundred years since group theory was kind of formalized, and it's one of the biggest things that people have been trying to do in maths. But they did it. They made essentially a periodic table uh, of all these different groups that are on their own groups of ways that things can be symmetrical. And um, most of them fit into distinct families. You can categorize them, you know. They're, they're quite easily organized. And that, that looked all quite nice. And everyone was thinking, okay, this is quite a, a nice little thing. All these ways things can be symmetrical. Group theory done. But there was a problem. Because you have this nice little table with all these families of groups neatly organized. And then you have these groups that are outliers. That don't really make... A, they don't really fit in with the other groups. They're called sporadic groups. They don't fit into any of the families or categories. These are ways that almost sometimes specific shapes can be symmetrical in, in multidimensional space. That don't feel like they have anything to do with the patterns that you normally see. Right. They're, they're sort of anomalies. There are 26 sporadic groups. And these groups can get quite big. As in the number of elements in them. The number of actions you can take within them get quite big. So this means that there are certain shapes that you can imagine. Where under thousands of different actions they'll remain symmetrical. And one of these groups in particular is called the monster group. Right. And the monster group is the largest group. It was it was sort of conjectured maybe in the fifties, and then people tried to look for it and describe it, see what it's about. And in the eighties, they kind of they kind of figured out what it really was, and it's absolutely massive. It's about it's a huge number. It starts in the, the number of elements in this group. It's, it's about it's eight zero eight, and then a whole host of other numbers, and it's about times ten to the fifty nine, that kind of magnitude. So there's a huge number of elements in this group. It's the monster group is uh, so much bigger than any other group. And it describes a shape in multidimensional space where there's about 196,000 dimensions, which we can't imagine. We can't even begin to imagine a shape like that. Yeah. But mathematically, mathematically, it just sort of has to be that. I mean, it does feel like we've kind of made it up. Like it does, you know, no, I'm not describing it not very well. And it feels like we sort of plucked it out of thin air. But the, the groups are so fundamental. They come up in so many different areas of math and string theory. They're, they're applied to so many different things. And the monster group keeps coming up. The monster group, which is this number, which is so big, yet it it seems to be one of the most important fundamental numbers in in the universe. It's been plucked out of thin air, but it has to be that number. I don't know. A lot of mass ends up coming back to this absurdly big number with no particular reason why it exists. And if you are, if you ask most mathematicians, for example, John Conway, I watched an interview with John Conway, who is the guy who did the Game of Life. Yeah. Um. And and he he said that. The one thing he wants to know before he dies is what is the monster group doing there? What, why is there this deeply fundamental and important number in the very logic of the universe that is so big and weird and random and has is, is, is no interesting properties? And the number he's talking about is it, the number of elements within this group. Yeah, the, num- the, the size of the monster group. You've got groups which describe symmetries of properties between uh things yeah yes right. way they describe ways in which different things can be symmetrical and an element in a group is a particular symmetry of a thing is a particular action you can do on a thing where it doesn't change it where it keeps it symmetrical so like turning a shape keeps it symmetrical oh yeah so so now that i understand it so now we've, we've got these classified groups which is Every possible group for which every possible symmetrical action fits in as an element of one of these groups. Yeah. 
I mean, when you look at maths, fundamentally, you end up seeing patterns, you know, and patterns are really just symmetries. Whenever you find a pattern in maths, it often relates back to group theory. Right. So, you know? so we've got this periodic table, which has over 100 different groups, <clears throat> and each of those groups have thousands of different actions, right? And then you've got this group of sporadic groups, which are 26 of them, right? These groups contain actions that... What are these actions? What's special about these actions, these elements? Well, they're just... The, the, the sporadic groups are weird because they don't fit in with the other groups. With the other groups, you can classify them. The sporadic groups pop up out of nowhere and they don't show any of the similar patterns and you can't classify them very nicely. Okay. Okay. And then we've got the monster group. Which is one of the sporadic groups. Which has a really weirdly precise and huge number of actions that fulfill the same symmetry. Then there are a number of actions where they describe an individual shape and it's a number of ways that shape can be changed in order for it to remain symmetrical. Oh, so the group is about a type of shape that's in a thousand dimensions. Yeah, 196,000. That can be rotated in a bajillion different ways and it maintains its symmetries that are set out at the start as boundary conditions. Yeah. But if you were to choose another absurdly hyperdimensional object that was weird... That that would probably fit in with another group we already know that's much smaller. That's not interesting. Oh, so what's interesting about this monster group is that it's a sporadic group. Yes. That contains this hyperdimensional shape that has yeah. a billion trillion eight hundred and eight whatever gazillion to ten to the fifty three different uh, lines of symmetry. Let's say uh, these are figurative lines of symmetry. Yeah, why not? Why not? I mean, the thing is, if you get big enough, you keep going bigger and bigger, you get isomorphic groups, where they sort of start to become the same group. You can put them into groups you've already discovered. Okay. You know, it's like prime, it's a lot like prime numbers. It's a lot like finding the biggest prime number. If you get higher and higher, it gets harder and harder. That's kind of a similar thing. You know, you get higher and higher, more and more things become isomorphic. Right. But the monster group is the biggest, by far the biggest, and it's weird, and it can't be factorized into subgroups. It's its, its own thing. If you were to go out into the world, into the universe, and you were to look at aliens and ask the aliens, we would all share the idea that fundamentally in the universe, there is this massive monster group. And, and any, in, in any way you can interpret logic and mathematics, it always comes up as this really weird group. And it's weird. And I think it's very pretty. Is it, is there, what's significant about the monster group that should make me care about it other than that it's 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 uh original and it, it, there's nothing like it what's significant about the monster group well because you're just I, saying I, I f- it's there's nothing like it and i'm going good for it <laughs> <laughs> you have to understand how fundamental group theory is like it took a oh, it's ah. a cool part just that it's really weird and also in extremely fundamental to the universe. The cool I've the cool part there. is why is it there? The cool part is why why on earth is it there? There's nothing there's no other thing like it in mathematics. Like in in maths if you look at the things that are important if you look at constants, you know, that that are all important to the universe, it's like, okay, fine, we understand why these are important because they fit here and they fit here and they fit here. The monster group doesn't really fit anywhere. It's just popped up. It just is. It's like the number one is really important. E is really important. I, whatever. All these things are really fundamental and you can describe the universe using them. And and that universe has popped out with this number that's just, it's just, it doesn't feel like it should mean anything. Cool. I don't know. You have to like maths to like the monster group. <laughs> 
but but I mean, I met someone who was that son was studying um group theory and they're doing like a postdoctorate thing on it, and they told me about this, and I, I think, and I did, and I think you know watch the number file videos on it if you want to like it because then you get to see John Conway being all wizened and old and looking out the window and going, if I could know one thing before I died, it would be why is the monster group there? Yeah, yeah. There's so it, it it just feels it just feels important. It just it just I mean you know I I like it. <laughs> I like I it. Like it. Gives me great. It gives. I like it. It gives me great pleasure that the monster group exists. Okay, and you're happy to cut all this out, and you're 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 you're, you're welcome yeah. to. This is bad content. I know this is bad content, but I just wanted to say, you know, it's a very pretty thing. I'm leaving it in. I'm just gonna edit. That it. says something um, important about the universe we live in. To me, it it's like feels, physics, but it's better. Like to, me. <laughs> to me, it feels like us humans categorizing things and then getting lost in our own categorizations and then asking questions like. What is the meaning of life? And then when you really think about it, there's not a hugely significant difference between something that's living and something that's not. So it's just a human categorization, and therefore the question is dumb. I don't know. I don't think that's fair, because, I mean, it does sound like, from what I've said, we've overcomplicated groups <laughs> and all that. But, but, but... <laughs> <laughs> you, we have like we have we it's been discoveries it's like it's like we were discovering elements we discovered these i like these i like the groups i like the groups i like the group periodic table i think that's cool i think the monster group just sounds a bit much Let, let's say you were discovering elements right and you discovered elements which had like this many protons and neutrons or whatever and you kept going and then one day you discovered this element out in space that had nine million protons six hundred thousand eight hundred and forty five trillion neutrons and nine electrons and it was somehow stable and it was it was just there and nothing else was like it imagine if you did that but like that for maths that would be cool if it was a thing that's it's the best i can do that's the best I can okay. do. But it is a thing okay. in maths. Okay. okay. <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like if I understood it better, then I would like it. I know, I, I would know. see why it is significant, but I don't. And so I don't. You have to already know a bit about group theory for it to really hit home, I think. But this is a call to arms. Everyone try and learn about the the monster group because it's really... Profound. This is going to get so horribly edited into like a four-minute thing. Yeah, bro. Fucking. I don't care. This is passion. I'm. I'm passionate. This is passion. I want to extract the fact out of this. Anyway, there's no fact. Stop trying to make everything into content. I saw. (laughs) Stop censoring the scientific dreams. Stop censoring. This is what people come here for. They don't want content. This isn't content. This is yeah. This is. No, the don't. <laughs> no, no, no. This isn't a fact. This isn't a fact. Oh, you bastard. Fine. Release this as like an individual standalone episode about Sam talking nonsense about the fucking. Should I just call it? I'm just going to call it shit. <laughs> just call it shit. No, don't do any like intro music or anything. Just call it. Incomprehensible shit. (laughs) And it just starts. So, it just starts. There's no capital letters. It's just like S H I T shit. And then it's just me getting angry at you for trying to. It gets progressively worse. (laughs) Yes. I'm annoyed that you're trying to make me make this understandable. That's what I'm doing. Because it's not supposed to be understandable. It's really not something you could explain. 
but it's something you have to appreciate. If you want to understand it, then go make I that your career. I fundamentally believe it, that all it, complicated things can be explained really easily. I think that's a thing that's possible. That's not correct. That's not possible or correct. Is. I don't I believe that. You just need to use no, it's trigger not. words. No, that's not true at all. I believe in an education where five sentences can be used in further mass. There's not five magic sentences that you can say to someone to make them understand. They have to try. They have to want to understand. They have Sam, to try and understand. On this you know? podcast, we will find those five magic sentences. <sighs> <laughs> Teaching isn't about getting information across. It's about inspiring passion. Okay. You know? It's about incomprehensible shit that inspires passion. That's the name. Of that's it. what I want. I want someone to come away from this going, I have no fucking clue what the monster group is. I, I couldn't tell you any anything about it. It makes any sense. But I'm going to go look it up. Cool. That's what I'll I want. leave it at that then. I'm sorry. You're listening to The Substandard Model. 